Yo, 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 welcome to Tampa Bay Sportscast. We're not worrying about a thing here because we we got what we wanted. Merry late Christmas present. Cutter's gone. Cutter's gone. We can't believe it. It's all over, folks. I know a lot of us here at Tampa Bay Sportscast and a lot of our listeners and fans have been praying for the day. I'm excited. Uh, we got a, we got an amazing guest on tonight uh, from Pewter Report. Uh, we're going to bring him on. His name's Andrew Scavelli. I got my boy Mike back on the podcast. What's up, Mike? How you doing, man? Uh, no, it's been a week since we aired, but uh, excited to bring in this new new off season. Some bright bright uh, futures compared to this bleak season. How you doing, Mike? Uh, I'm doing very well. What's going on with you? Uh, just just seeing the fam here. You know, kind of doing the vacation thing during the holidays. You know, replenish the mind. And the soul for this new year, and uh, I, I hope the Bucks can do the same thing with the the new hire, man. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right, man. It was a, a rough game to watch yesterday. Basically, everything that's happened yesterday has been going on all season, but 2018's all wrapped up. It's finally in the past. I don't think they can go down from here. I think the only way they can go is forward, and hopefully. Jason Light has got all the control moving into 2019. He's got a he's got the power to bring in the new head coach, and I think a lot of Bucks fans already know who they want. Uh, Bruce Arians would be ideal. That's who I would love. But in this in this situation, Jason Light has all the cards in this situation. Yeah, man. Um, speaking about some cards and uh, kind of get some more insight. Uh, uh, Maybe our first guest uh, kind of went in a little bit about him. Um, we're gonna, you know, bring him on. What's going? What's going on, Scavelli? How you doing, man? How's it going, guys? I'm glad to be here. Glad to be a part of your podcast. I usually don't uh, do podcasts, but I could not turn down this one. Being a part of, uh, you know, some good bucks talk on a New Year's Eve uh, evening here. Hey, man, we got to get the uh, the the details out to our listeners, man. First and foremost, just kind of, you know, want to get into the mind of the Pewter Report, guys. You know, it's it's big to have you guys on our our podcast. You know, we're just starting out, but. We're just as, you know, we're just as passionate. I know Mike, he's, he's kind of weirdly passionate, but uh, we definitely uh, got some questions for you, man. Uh, I really just think, I want to know do you, if you what you think they should go in for a head coaching hour. If you think it's more Bruce Arians, someone else, there's like a, a little jack in the box we don't know about. Well, uh, right now, I would certainly say that Bruce Arians, um, on paper, certainly with his connections with Jason Light, and um, if you remember in the past, or at least any time that we have talked to Jason Light, or any time he had a press conference, he would always make references to uh, his time uh, with the Cardinals, and he would always talk about Arians, and his favorite phrase actually is, uh, uh, no risk it, no biscuit, or something like that. So he, he really feels very fondly... Um, certainly of his former coach. Uh, obviously, he's still under contract with the Cardinals, so it'd be really interesting to see how that kind of plays out and, and what the process uh, is in order to get him out of his uh, contract and and, and uh, over to the Bucks. But that's certainly a guy, like, on paper right now, it seems like the obvious choice, and especially with, um, you know, Certainly, Breston Buckner on staff, and um, another guy that they interviewed in the past was uh, Cardinals offensive coordinator Harold Goodwin. So certainly, I think Light's going to do whatever he can to 
target people that he has a familiar working relationship with, certainly whether it's from his time with the Arizona Cardinals, the Philadelphia Eagles, or the New England Patriots. And it was really interesting today. Um, I was at One Buck um, covering the Jason Light press conference, and he definitely made it a point to say that he really, you know, he's going to totally leave his ego out of the equation. So if he has to give up power uh, to get the best guy in place for the Bucks, he'll certainly go ahead and do that. And I think with a guy like Arians, having that familiarity um, would be helpful. But at the same time, he said that, you know, he's going to target the guy that is going to be the best fit for the Buccaneers organization, whoever that may be. So I think, you know, the options at this point are wide open. They're probably going to do a pretty wide, uh, you know, search here, but I feel like they're probably going to want to come to a decision on a guy within the next couple of weeks, uh, only to make sure that they could secure a staff in place because the quicker you go out and target a guy, like the quicker you'll, you'll be able to ultimately like fill up that staff. So certainly, um, definitely like keep, keep an eye on any, any, uh, previous, uh, guys that, light has worked with but at the same time i think this could be a pretty wide open search as well hell yeah man um i don't know mike if you i know you got some things to ask i know you're you're dying to get a scavelli oh yeah i mean number one thing is Jameson and bruce arians i know bruce arians liked Jameis winston a lot and has always talked highly of Jameis winston just do you think that they would work well together moving forward if bruce arians the one that jason light seems to pick for the Tampa buccaneers Oh, I, I absolutely agree. I think that Arians, um, I, I certainly think that um, the relationship that Jameis has had in the past going to um, some of the like football camps when he was younger um, in his hometown of Bessemer, Bessemer with Arians, I think that's really going to help. And uh, Arians said that, you know, he'd be fun to coach. Uh, he's a winner. He's a great leader and, and a heck of a young quarterback. And that was a few years ago. And I think Jameis is certainly... You know, he's been very inconsistent, but he's um, his development, I think, would only continue to grow under uh, the uh, tutelage of Arians. With all that being said, how well do you think Jameis Winston can adapt to a Bruce Arians style offense, which we know he had Carson Palmer back in Arizona. They really like to push the ball down the field, a lot of deep seam route throws and with Jameis Winston lacking the ability to hit deep, deep routes on a consistent basis, do you feel that Bruce Arians going to be able to get him onto a level to be able to succeed in his offense? Uh, well, you know, obviously Winston has kind of struggled in the past with some of those like deep passes, things like that. I think um, <laughs> with with uh, certainly when he came out, he was compared to Roethlisberger, who uh, Arians coach in Pittsburgh, and I think. Um, Honestly, I, I think Arians will be able to kind of uh, tune, tune a system around Winston. I don't necessarily think it has to be like a vertical offense, but I think whatever he'll do, he'll work it around his strengths. Yeah, I think Bruce Arians is a good enough coach where he's going to be able to use Jameis Winston's strengths. Um, I feel like Dirk Cutter didn't use his coaching ability to put Jameis Winston in the best situation as he possibly could. We all know that Jameis Winston likes to get outside the pocket. He's good. He's got a great quarterback rating outside the pocket. Um, and he just lacked to get him in certain situations where he can succeed. But I feel like Bruce Arian won't be stubborn enough to – I think he's just going to try to play to Jameis Winston's strength. Amen, um, brother. 
But of course, this, this is all hypothetical. I know we're focusing a lot on Arians right now, but uh, you know, anything anything could happen. There are still a lot of guys uh, to be considered, and it's going to be a pretty long um, process, I would imagine, unless they have this thing already locked in. But I think uh, you know they're they're really going to find the best guy to develop Winston. I well, as Buccaneers fans, the only thing we can be is optimistic. So we're just hoping and praying that Jason Light can pull the strings and bring in Bruce Arians. Yeah, I, they, I agree with you there, Scavelli. I think they need to take advantage of this last year with Jameis or, and to get someone who can maybe fill in and you know like use him in the best way they can. Yeah, and of course, it's not only the last year for Jameis going into a contract year, but it's also the last year for Jason Light. So, you know, obviously, Light's going, Winston is really going to decide his future either way. Um, so I think they're going to give those two guys one last opportunity to make it work. And I think since uh, Winston was benched after the Bengals game, he really uh, came on and made some big strides. Uh, I think he had 13 uh, touchdowns. Uh, versus only four interceptions really looked a lot better down the stretch so I think that was enough to save uh, Jason Light's job and of course at this point that you know you have the 20 million dollar option but going forward making that commitment to a quarterback you you could really see how you know big of a decision something like that would be and how you know certainly if the Jacksonville Jaguars decision that they made to sign Bortles to a deal really set that franchise back and um, I think the Bucks. No matter what, they're going to try to play it safe, just like maybe the Washington Redskins did with Kirk Cousins. And even if you have to franchise Winston a few years in a row until like you're ready to commit with him, I think they'll go that route. But um, I, I think at the end of the day, like that's really what it's all about. It's just, you know, getting that answer yes or no on Winston. Obviously, there's a lot that was invested in him, a lot of time. And I don't think the Bucks were quite ready to move on just yet, which is why. They're keeping that um, package together right now. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. When when you're watching the Bucks, the one thing that they really did any type of thing consistently well this year was throwing the ball. And what Winston does bad, like if you limit his turnovers, I mean, his statistics are there everywhere else. It's really his turnovers that get you mad. And I think a lot of them really have to do with that he's running for his life. So in that aspect, where do you think, like, who do you think needs to go, if not everyone on the offensive line, and how do they go about that here in the offseason? Because that's what I'm most interested in. Absolutely, and I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, in terms of, you know, the offensive line, the running game, those are two really big issues, and I think um, we started to see down the stretch here that, like, George Warhop, the offensive line coach, um, was a big weakness for this team. Certainly, you know, they, they had a great passing offense, but the run run offense and the offensive line in that regard big weaknesses so I think the next head coach um, and maybe even a guy like Mike Munchak would be an option somebody that like knows how to you know install a run game is really good with the offensive line I think you know at the end of the day it's really all about giving Jameis more of a balanced attack like he had in his uh, rookie season with Doug Martin running for 1400 yards like you know it's not a good recipe to give him, you know, like 30, 40 passing attempts a game, like keep it, a, make it more of a balanced offense. I think they really need to, I mean, they're going to have a really hard decision at um, left tackle, certainly with Donovan Smith's contract coming up. I know that in the past uh, we kind of heard rumblings about the Bucks may be considering using a franchise tag on him, but honestly, I think, you know, give him, 
I, I mean, he wants to be paid like a top five tackle. He didn't perform like that. So that's going to be a, a really, uh, really tough decision that the team's going to have to make. And certainly a guy like DeMar Dotson, I think he's owed maybe like five or so million, I believe 4.85 million. So they're going to have to make a decision on him. And he's kind of getting up there uh, in years too. So I think we obviously know that they're going to make some sort of upgrade at right guard. But I think the two tackle spots are, you know, they, they could certainly lose one of those guys. Um, they could use that top five draft pick on a tackle maybe to beef up that line. But you make a really good point. Obviously, the offensive line is going to be a huge, uh, a huge place that Jason Light is going to look to improve. And then I think certainly at running back, too, you know, he, he missed in the second round on Ronald Jones. It's hard to say right now if he'll even be back uh, next year. Uh, maybe with an improved offensive line, they might want to give him one more chance. But I think that whole entire part of the offense needs to be revamped going into 2019. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. I I really uh, I think it's tough when you watched even Jameis, especially in college. Like the one thing you notice is if you could get get the get the ball out of his hands, don't make him do too much. His confidence rises. Um, another thing with the running back. Uh, I don't know where. Do you think they should go early or do you think they should go late? Well, I think there'll probably be a few options out there, and they might get um as well. I don't necessarily know that or think that they'll be able to sign a guy like Le'Veon Bell to a, a contract because obviously you know you you want to be smart with how you pay your running backs because I think Jason Light learned in the past giving Doug Martin that huge contract that that doesn't really always uh, work out and I think you have to keep taking those shots in the middle rounds in the second third rounds if you could find a guy like most of these NFL teams seem to be doing and obviously uh the good thing about Jason Light is he does admit to his mistakes and he doesn't let them linger around so you know there's a very good chance that they take a running back again early in the draft I don't believe that they have a third round pick this year because of the Jason Pierre-Paul trade but maybe in the maybe they'll kind of move back a little bit get some more picks and target one in on the second day um or maybe maybe like the back or the early part of the third day just to kind of give, give some more competition to Peyton Barber. I think they like Peyton. He's not, he, I don't think he, his, his, he kind of reached his ceiling at this point. Like they need an elite guy back there. Yeah. I feel like um, talking about the running back situations, I really think that the bucks need to go in a direction with a, a running back. That's really able to succeed in the passing game as well as the running game. We need more of a, like a two-headed monster, basically, in the backfield. We need a running back that can run through the tackles, and we need one of those athletic receiving backs that can make plays in open space and just have a different dynamic to our run game than just having a guy run in between the tackles with a, a last day, eh, a really bad offensive line and just not having much room to work with. Yeah, we could just squeeze a Saquon Barkley in the seventh round or something. That's usually pretty easy. Yeah, they, you know, they, you can find him anywhere these days. <laughs> yeah, or, or we can just make a big-time trade with the New York Giants and send donovan smith over there for uh, saquon barkley they need a left tackle yeah but i'm pretty sure they want tackles to block for saquon barkley so i don't know how how big that well, saquon barkley won't be on their team since he'll be a buccaneer at that point oh yes all right well we, we'll just force that through or but uh yeah how uh is oj howard going to be healthy as soon as the season starts or preseason starts or how is that looking absolutely i think that you know his injury wasn't too serious i don't even think he's going to be required to have surgery but it was one of those situations where um it was going to linger long enough where they kind of felt like they had to shut him down but i definitely think yeah oj will will be back 
um, probably as early as uh, OTAs. Um, and, you know, that's going to be another decision uh, that they're going to have to make at tight end because certainly if that becomes uh, too much of a luxury for the new head coach, if they're not going to use two tight end sets uh, as much, I think Cameron Brake could be a, a, cert- a potential trade um, option for the team to acquire another draft pick. And, and if not, if they have to get him off the books, they'll, they'll clear $7 million in salary cap. And uh, speaking of the salary cap, going into free agency this year, it looks like right at the moment, uh, Tampa Bay will have $17 million around that number, which is going to be the fourth lowest cap room um, in the league. But because, you know, what we talked about with a lot of the changes that need to be made, um, they do have a lot of players that once they're off the books, they're going to, you know, they could potentially get up to $60 million in, in cap savings. I, I would definitely expect Gerald McCoy's contract of uh, $13 million to be restructured since he's not quite uh, what he used to be. His production is kind of declining. Certainly once they get rid of Deshaun Jackson, that'll save $10 million. Vinny Curry. Booyah. Um, that was, that was, a, uh, was a good signing um, just to kind of beef up that – defensive end spot but obviously he was kind of injured a lot of the carl nassif came in played phenomenal so you could save eight million right there um and certainly with what we talked about with cameron Brait, that's seven million bo allen if they want to get rid of him that's five million damar is another five million mitch unrine who is kind of a bust signing he had that concussion early uh in training camp didn't even see the field that's four million right there will golston is another four million so they could potentially go into free agency with a good uh, 60 million, at least, or I believe they would actually have, if they released all those players, they would have around 70 million to spend, which would uh, take them to the sixth highest in cap room. So I think there's gonna be a lot of wheeling and dealing. Uh, it's gonna be really exciting to see, uh, you know, how, depending on the level of coach that they bring in, you know, if guys would want to come to this organization to, to play and to help turn this team around. But I think there's just so much young talent there. You have to think that, you know, if, if they, fix a lot of these uh, coaching issues that they have. You've got to think that they'll be able to turn this around if they get the right guy in place. So that's kind of, that's very optimistic for Bucks fans to know that. Yeah. Like I said in the previous podcast about we have to wait for a new coach and a new coaching staff to come in here and evaluate the roster because right now we're all playing GM. We want to cut certain players that we feel aren't producing, but at the same time, a new coaching staff will come in and see the potential of the players that we have to work with. And then they'll go ahead and basically move the players that they fe- uh, that they feel won't produce in their scheme or isn't playing at the, the level of their salary cap hit, whatever the case may be. So, But moving forward, you got Quan Alexander we also have to talk about. What, what do you think that we're going to do? Do you think we'll offer him like a two-year feeler deal? We know he's coming back from injury, so that probably should give us a little bit of leverage. But even though he could still hit big money in free agency even after the ACL, especially the way a lot of these players are coming back after those ACL tears a lot faster and stronger. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe that um, certainly it really helps that uh, Jason Light is back because you know he's a big fan of Quan and um, it really, uh, honestly, it is a little early, like you said, Mike, to talk about certain uh, personnel moves uh, at the moment because we honestly don't even know the scheme. And a lot of it, especially on defense, a lot of these players' lack of production really stems upon like a very, very flawed scheme that the Bucks ran this year. So, you know, maybe if a new guy wants to come in and wants to see what he could do with some of these players and if they feel the talent is there, um, but maybe they just were totally playing, um, 
you know, not to their strengths this past season. Maybe they'll want to give these guys another shot. And I think certainly with a guy like Quan, I think the Bucks will offer him a one-year prove-it contract just to make sure that he's, you know, back and up to the level of play um, that we're accustomed to um, going forward and then see how he adjusts in new scheme, uh, whatever that might be on defense. So I definitely think that uh, Quan will be a priority. And if they can't uh, get him for a, a deal that's, you know, a fear for the team, I think they'll probably just let him walk. And, and the same with a guy like Donovan Smith, even though I know that Jason will want to, you know, bring those guys back. But at the end of the day, you have to be smart about it. Now, with speaking with a guy like, uh, is there any kind of possibility that in, inside the draft that we can go with an offensive tackle, like in the first round, re-sign Donovan Smith? And I don't know if he's played right right tackle in his life, but try to feel him out there and replace a DeMar Dotson that's an older style player. And maybe he can succeed on the right side of the line. I don't know. But what what do you think about something like that? Yeah, I think I think that um, Donovan Smith would be a much better fit at right tackle. Um, I don't know if they're going to, of course, because, you know, there is a team that will sign him and will put him at left tackle. So I don't think he'll want to take a pay cut to go over there on the right side. Um, but I, I definitely do agree that if they let Donovan walk, I think, you know, in the t- in the the with their fifth overall pick, target a tackle um, on either side of the ball, really. Yeah, Jonah Williams would be nice out of, Alabama, that would be a sweet pickup. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and of course, you know, once we get closer to the senior bowl and closer in the draft season, I'll have uh, more opinions on those kinds of guys. But uh, I definitely think, again, with what Jason did last year, how he kind of turned his priority to the trenches, I think he'll do the same this year. Last year, he beefed up the defensive line. He started on the offensive line a little bit with Ryan Jensen, but I think he'll really just. Uh, just to protect Jameis, give him every opportunity in the world uh, to succeed uh, in, in his final year. I think they'll, they'll really try to get him some protection there on the offensive side of the ball, too. Yeah, that would that'd be, be a big. Uh, being a season ticket holder the last two years has been rough. Uh, you know, listening to people talk about Jameis, and you if you go to the games, I would try to, like, watch it and see what they – I just don't see it. I see him running for his life a lot, and – I don't. I don't care any quarterback. If you see them, I, I don't know Tom Brady, Philip Rivers. They all look pretty bad when they're getting hit in the mouth. Yeah, and and it's a combination of a lot of things. Like uh, Demar Dotson in the locker room today was kind of talking about that, and he was saying, "Yeah, you know, we need to protect him better." But at the same time, Jameis needs to get the ball out of his hand quicker. And a lot of times, like when he's running around back there, you know, he he needs to. He really needs to go through his progressions quicker. He needs to make quicker decisions, and maybe with a, a new offense that you know has more of you know quicker passing games stuff like that i think that'll kind of play into his favor but um yeah having him back there running around for his life is is not ideal and and he does a really good job he's pretty crafty escaping pressure a lot of times but you know you can only do so much i agree with you he he does he He does it's it's not yeah he's just such a competitor that i think he just wills it somehow even if it looks bad but um it, it it I think the offense was so predicated of pushing the ball so downfield with Deshaun and Mike Evans that I would rather I would just like to see him move around more, roll out more, kind of get like easy throws. I felt like in his offense it was like you could throw it deep or there would be no ch- like real like extra play. I feel like with all the offenses in the NFL, 
if it's failing one way, there's like a screen uh, bailout play the other way, and then there's always the check down. I feel like with our offense, it was so hit or miss with that, and I just would like to see more concepts and more, I guess, not total like RPO style stuff, but just a little nuance just to get get Jameis like completions, get his confidence up. So I feel like if you get Jameis's confidence up, then he'll be willing to like make those throws down the field better. Just like I guess an observation, I've been watching him since Florida State, so it's really my only thing with Jameis is if his confidence is up, I feel like he could do anything. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. It's it's definitely all about getting him in the rhythm of the game, and I think just going back to what we talked about earlier with finding him a real receiving threat out of the backfield too. I think that will really help, and hopefully he'll be able to, you know, really focus on the running back position this off season, but. I'm telling you, like every week when I watch, uh, like from the press box, and we always, the, on every single play, it almost seems like no matter who's in the game at right guard, whether it be um, Caleb Benenock or Alex Kappa, like that is a huge gaping hole there. So I think they, you know, once they really solidify that position, hopefully that'll, you know, help things out a little bit. But um, yeah, they, they definitely have a lot of work to do on that side of the ball um, as well. Yeah, I think uh, to address kind of like what Mike said with the running back position too, it'd be nice to get like that, you know, do 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 everything for yourself type running back, but we'll probably have to address it in a more committee style, whether it's like we pick one style in the draft and then another in free agency, vice versa. I think that would be I, – I think the better address is to get a receiving back. Like Samuels you even saw for Pittsburgh, that was like their four-string running back, and he still f- – was, he was still better than any receiving running back I've seen us have in years. So I'm just understanding why we can't get, like, at least make it mandatory to get him a little bailout receiver because kind of Humphreys was that this year. Like, I felt like if I saw Jameis getting bailed out, he was throwing it to Humphreys. So if you could yeah, get, like, that's, if you get like a running back version of that, too, I think you have those two bailout options. And I love Godwin. He needs to catch the damn football. But – uh and you know, obviously Evans is a top-flight receiver in the in the NFL, no doubt. So uh, you get OJ Howard back, obviously. Like that that offense, I think, just needs more bailout plays. No, I definitely agree. And Adam Humphreys really, especially with the fact the offensive line was so porous at the end of the season here, Adam Humphreys did an excellent job as being kind of like that outlet receiver, helping Jameis out. And that's going to be another really big um, contract coming up. And and it's definitely some, somebody that they're going to have to address in free agency. Um, certainly it'd be easy to take Deshaun Jackson's money and give it to Humphreys, but I think you know if you could get Humphreys on a 6 to $7 million a year deal, just like you did with Cameron Bray, I think that'd be fair. And I think Humphreys' value to the offense is so much more than Bray. So you know, get rid of Jackson, get rid of Bray, give a little bit of that money to Humphreys. And I think um, with the lesser amount of receiving options, but just like a really solid receiving core of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Humphreys, and OJ Howard with a much stronger running game. I think that's a a lot better formula on offense than just really having all those weapons and not being able to spread the ball around and have to worry about like getting everybody all their certain targets and everything like that. I think that's kind of the way to go. Make it balanced. Yeah, the balance aspect, uh, just the more consistent. Like, we obviously have the yards and stuff and put up the points and do all that, but it's not like if you want it, like, if we need a touchdown, we can't just go get it. That's the annoying part. Like, when we need it the most, we can't get it, but all of a sudden we're down by 20 and we can throw for 400 yards a game. It's just 
it's just garbage yards and it just gets annoying at times like we have this awesome offense but we really don't get to use it when we need no i i completely completely agree with that so it's been tough it's that's what that's what was tough with watch with cutter is when he would make calls like with play calling the year before it's just the defense knew exactly what we were doing the whole time the whole stadium knows there's there's no concept there's no I don't know, with good teams, like sometimes they even fake you out. You're like, oh, crap. Like, I didn't even think that was coming, you know? Like, the, you ever see the Patriots, obviously, when the Patriots play, they'll have, like, they'll have plays where it's just, like, Chris Hogan's walking down the field. Like, you never see that with the Bucks, unless it's, like, a broken BS play. Like, you're never going to see that from the Bucks. Like, it's an accident. Not like we had, like, a crazy concept that blew the other team away. Like, I want to see some intelligence more than just – I feel like all of our plays are like Mike Evans makes a crazy play or like Jameis runs for his life for like 10 extra yards he shouldn't have gotten, which is awesome. It's still competitive football. I would just like to see it more just like we could just slice and dice down the field because we have the weapons, and obviously the blocking needs to be addressed and all that. But I think that's – we have so much potential on that side of the ball. Jameis is throwing the yard, so it's there. It can be there. It just needs to be more crucial. No, I agree, and I think uh, with what you said, a lot of the pieces are in place on both sides of the ball. I mean, definitely the the big focus, again, offensive line and then secondary on defense. But um, I don't know. I, I think with a new scheme in place and a new culture, uh, this team really isn't that far off, and especially if you look um, at the way uh, the Falcons and the Panthers kind of took a step back this year too. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be totally out of the stretch for the Bucks to get get back up to like eight or nine wins next year. And if you think about it too, if you want to even talk a long pitcher wise, the Bucks could have the best quarterback situation in the NFC South right now. Drew Brees is 39 years old, I believe. He's not going to play forever, right? Like he's just not going to. No one does. Jameis is young. Cam Newton's almost... 29 I think now so I mean he's not going to play forever especially the way he plays uh Matt Ryan's I mean I I, I mean I hope the Falcons keep playing Matt Ryan I <laughs> that'd be better for us so I mean right now with Jameis if we can just patch up get a new culture which I completely it matters in football that culture stuff it really does matter it's not just a one player system you need that whole camaraderie like raw not raw raw technically but there needs to be some sort of one movement like one goal like concentration so if you can get that there's no way like we could be the best offense obviously in this in this division for years to come we're, we're in a good spot we're in a lot better spot than people like to realize but I mean we've had we've been in a tough division with Drew Brees and Matt Ryan and Cam Newton for the last seven eight ten years that's tough I mean, I don't know another division. I, I don't think the Patriots would be as successful in their division in the AFC East if they had to face those quarterbacks all the time. I think Jameis Winston's much better than Tannehill or any name of Bills quarterback. Yeah, man, I think that would be huge. The culture and football, it, it's huge for, for that to change. I think that would be big for Jameis and the whole squad. Uh, other than offensive line in the draft, though, I think another big hit would be defensive tackle. I know Mike's been kind of high on... Ed Oliver, I believe his name is, uh, out of Houston. Uh, what, do, what do you think about him, Mike? Yeah, he just his his he's a little bit undersized, but his athleticism is off the charts, man. He he reminds me a lot of Aaron. I feel like he could be one of those top tier uh, dominant defensive tackles in this league, especially if we could pair 
Isaiah, if we hold on to Gerald McCoy to a restructured deal, that interior defensive line can be extremely scary for scary for the opponents that we're facing. And especially with the play of JPP, I feel like that defensive line can turn around and, and be one of the best defensive defensive line units in the NFL. We do go the route of taking Ed Oliver or even Damian Williams from Alabama. Um, I feel like if the safer pick is to go with Damian Williams in the draft for defensive tackle, but Ed Oliver has the higher ceiling in my opinion. Yeah, and you you could tell from the Bears this year that uh, if you can upgrade that defensive line and make it a, a fierce one, it really covers up a lot of loose ends in the back end maybe. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, I, think, uh, I think that's about it. Another great episode here at Tampa Bay Sportscast. We really appreciate Scavelli for coming on from Pewter Report. Really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you for having me. It was a fun time with you guys. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, we love talking Tampa sports. We t- love talking football. Uh, we're excited about our Bucks, even though it was a down year. Uh, I still have high hopes on them. We still have a bright future. We still have a young quarterback who can throw the football. So I think that's big. You know, Light just makes some moves for his job. So let's, you know, let's see how this offseason goes. Uh, I know Mike's excited. Oh, yeah. Super excited. Can't wait. Yeah, guys, dying of excitement, as you can hear over here. New Year's Eve. We're just killing it. Um, Yeah, guys, uh, well, peace out. Uh, Stay tuned. Make sure you guys subscribe at iTunes, now even Spotify and SoundCloud. Uh, Go go subscribe to Pewter Report if you haven't. I'm sure you probably already listened to that if you're listening to us. So uh, other than that, guys, uh, can't wait to have you on again, Scavelli. Peace. (laughs) Peace.